Hello, boys and ghouls. And welcome to episode number 17. An apple a day won't keep this episode away. Because it's about doctors. Join us as we revere those friendly physicians with their needles and scalpels and tongue depressors. So take a deep breath, say ah, then turn your head and cough. Because the doctor is in. You want to see something really scary? They come from the bowels of hell, a transformed race of walking dead. Zombies, exploding heads. Psychos, fanatics, murderers, nutcases. Now, do we all agree that what we are dealing with is vampires? I know that one of you is a werewolf. Ain't nothing good dead folks. I want to kill the undead. So you ever so talk to a corpse? Satan is our pal. It's boring. Throw the third switch! Not the third switch! Give my creation! You have one. Oh, great. I have five. You have five coasters. Oh, are they your Betty Page coasters? Well, they're, they're pinup. Ooh, fancy ladies. That's right. I've used those before. Okay, do you want um, Anne Frank if she made bad choices? Oh my god, that looks just like Anne Frank. I know. Who's that? Oh, I like she the keeps... cowgirl with the sheriff star pasties. Okay, there you go. Hello, gorgeous. I don't entertain that much, so I like to break out the coasters when yeah. I can. So, uh, what have you been up to? Well, I mean, I haven't really been up to much spooky other than, you know me, I go to Halloween Town all the time. I sure. ran into someone there. Did I tell you this? For no. the first time. Um, <laughs> meaning, just like someone I know. Oh, okay. I've never, I don't think I've ever done that. And it's always... Yeah, it was funny because I'll go... We've talked about Halloween Town, like, who knows how many times on this podcast. Sure. But I, I went there a couple weeks ago. For, for any first-time listeners, it's an all-year Halloween store. Uh, yeah, I love it. Which gives cats so. somewhere to go for the other, you know, 10 months of the year. <laughs> and go, I do. And I was there like I do sometimes I, I just to wander around and just be in this sights and sounds and smells. So I'm just wandering around by myself like a Halloween nerd. And Mike Williamson, who directed me in the Black Box TV zombie prank okay. video. He's there. He shows up with his wife and his child, his little boy, who I met, you know, on the set. They were there. We filmed at his house. You know, they walk in. He's like, Cat. I'm like, Mike. And he's like, What are you here shopping for? And I said, Nothing. I just come here and wander around sometimes. He was like, Fair enough. Was it like you were busted? It's like, Oh, yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, kind of. I, um, I just came and asked directions. Yeah. Like, I just, oh, I just come here sadly and wander around. But it, it, it's not sad. It's it's the happiest time of, you know. So there's that. Um, what about you? What have you been up to? Anything spooky you've been holding from me? Because you tend to do that. You'll withhold information and then wow me when we record. Well, only insofar as since we last uh, spoke into a microphone, I went to a drive-in for the second time in my life. Oh my gosh, where? Like an hour away. Sure. Like, they all kind of are. Inland Empire? Montclair? Is that the Inland Empire? Yep. I thought that was the other way. Nope. Where's the Inland Empire? Inland Empire is, is that whole area inland of us. Okay. Montclair, Rancho Cucamonga, Upland, where my dad lives. Okay. Dad and stepmom. Yeah, um, in that case. So, yes, Montclair. I know of this drive-in. I believe I've driven by it. It's got like four screens. But I've screens. never gone. Oh, my gosh. What'd you go see? Well, so I can talk about on our podcast, I saw The Conjuring. 
You did, you yeah. sneaker. You didn't tell me. At a drive-in. Oh, my God. Which, now, my previous drive-in experience was uh, when I was 10 years old, my dad had a convertible, and he just wanted to take the family to a drive-in. And so it really didn't matter what was playing. Right. It was like, whatever was playing at the drive-in, that's what we went to see. And what was playing uh, that summer night was Aliens. Oh, my Lord. Yep. Game over, man. Right? Game over. Which was like... A mind blow for I was ten or had 11. you seen Alien? No. Oh, okay. but I, I managed to, to. Sure. Yeah, it's easy to keep get track. on track. And there was a guy in it named Hicks. Right. And I don't think I'd ever seen a movie with anybody named Hicks in it. Sure. So that was a treat. I only saw Aliens for the first time probably two years ago, and when I saw there was a character named Hicks, I was like Hicks. I was excited. Right. Yeah. Sure. So you must have been thrilled. What a movie to see at a drive-in. Yes. For the first time at so, a drive-in. So I was like batting a thousand. Yeah. I had one drive-in experience and it was great. Sure. And so 100% of my drive-in experiences had been great. So as long as I didn't go to another one, they were all great. Exactly. But it was time. Yeah. Time to go to a drive-in again. So what's your, what are you batting now? Was it, are you still? I don't know baseball. <laughs> So apparently not still a thousand. You can't beat aliens. Sure. All right. But did you and enjoy The Conjuring? Yeah. yeah Even I, from I did. a car? Well, could you hear everything? Was it the same experience? Well. It seems to me like it wouldn't be quite exactly the same as being in a theater. For the scares, I guess. You know what? It's a little extra scary. Um, if well, We sat outside of our cars on like lawn chairs that right. we brought. Sure. And... Sometimes when it's scary and then the wind starts blowing and like a paper bag just starts kind of blowing past you. All right. Or we were kind of near the front of the screen where like a possum might walk by and sure, did. Sure. So we're just like, what's that? Yeah. Oh, it's a possum. And it started raining a little oh. bit, which um, in Southern California, a summer rain is like the rarest of gems. Right. And did you feel isolated at all in the sense that like someone, some crazy person could just kind of like steal in and murder you? A little bit when the other folks went into their cars and I just got an umbrella out of my car and continued to sit outside. Oh my gosh. I braved all 10 minutes of the rain. Yeah. While watching The Conjuring. Isolated Um, under your umbrella. When I went to the drive-in as a kid, kids would always be playing on like the grassy area in front of the screen like where no cars were where it was too close for cars to be okay what did that is that a thing or are they that, not no that's that's just where the possum was <laughs> it's the house possum that's a normal thing that's what that's what you have yeah and what this place didn't have was like let's go to the lobby type of cartoons. let's all go yeah. to the lobby yeah With the dancing yeah. hot dog and, and stuff. it's like come on it's, it's digital projection and you can get those things on YouTube. It's not like, oh, we can't find the film anywhere. It's right. too rare. It's no, there. you can just throw that up there. Yeah. Or, or whatever else they'd have you. Like, the main feature will begin in five minutes. Get a refreshing Coca-Cola at our snack bar. Yeah. Like any of that. If you're committed to maintaining a drive-in theater, that's the extra like half percent of effort it would take to make the whole experience. Right. Like, you know? Well, they had like, Grr. not only that, but like they didn't even have like a more modern, like, and now our feature presentation they just went like trailer, 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 movie. And when the movie started, we didn't have that. You, you don't think about how important it is until it's not there, uh-huh. which is those five, ten seconds where they're like, and now's the movie. Yeah. Because you need something to let you know, like, okay, all the fruit for all's over. This is the main event. It's part of the experience of going to the movies. Because when you watch something at home, you just turn it on. No yeah. one's making the experience fun for you. And when you're, say, at a drive-in and the movie just starts... We were like, is this another trailer? And we had to gauge the fact that the, <sighs> the Warner Brothers logo was up 
slightly too long for right. it to be a trailer. And then we're like, oh, no, okay, no, no, this is a movie. This is a movie, people. Okay. Right. Sit in your Prepare yourselves. Yeah. If I were to run things, there'd be... Oh, know, yeah. <laughs> of course. If you were running things, duh. Everything else would be the same. Yeah. A clean, well-run, inexpensive. It uh-huh. wasn't that it was an hour away. Did you pay per car? Like they used I to was, do back in the day? So people would shove uh, like five people in the trunk? <laughs> it was per person. Okay. So it was like seven bucks Fair per enough. person. Fair enough. Seven bucks? That's not bad. No, seven bucks for two. Dang. And, and not even like second run movies. These were right. like, like oh, there's four screens, two movies per screen. All eight movies were current releases. Sure. So seven bucks. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah. Provided I mean, the gas to get out there. <laughs> but it's not an hour each way. Sure. <laughs> What a fun experience. I'm so glad so you guys did that. So now I have That's been great. to a drive-in twice. I want to go to there. Maybe we'll go sometime. That and, fun. and The Conjuring, I enjoyed. I'm glad I saw it outdoors next to my car. Yep. It's doing really, really well for a horror film. You know, as of this recording, it had already it's already crossed the $100 million mark domestically. I'm just thrilled. I think I love it. I love a good, a good spooky, you know. A good spooky success story? Yes. Yeah, the opening sequence, the early, like the really kind of extended horror, scary sequence towards the beginning of the movie where the mom is exploring in the basement. Do you remember all this? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That whole extended sequence, you know, went on for quite a while. And then right after that was the two little girls in the bedroom. And, you know, do you see it in the corner? And this whole long thing. And everybody in the theater when I was seeing it, of course, it was an early, early, like a three weeks early midnight screening, was everyone was so jacked up. That yeah. when all of that was finally over and it was like the next morning and like, you know, everyone could breathe again, my audience just erupted with applause. Everyone was just, wow. it was like 50% thankful that it was friggin' over for now and 50% just like, bravo, man. That was scary. In my very different viewing experience, which was a drive-in on a Thursday night, so it wasn't, <laughs> it was pretty sparse, but like something scary would happen on the screen and literally... 50 yards away inside of a car you can hear like someone just screaming <laughs> like there was some girl somewhere <laughs> off to our left who just like you just hear like something on the screen and just like <laughs> kind of muffled by distance and like car windows that's fun oh my gosh that's great i was a teenage brain surgeon a teenage brain surgeon Knocked out fractured brain surgeon, the sharpest operator in town. Scalpel. Scalpel. Forceps. Forceps. Suture. Suture. Oops. Anesthetic. Anesthetic. Hey, everybody. I'm Marshall Hicks. And I'm the way too eager Cat Knipe. <laughs> <laughs> and this is Boys and Ghouls. And in this episode, Cat, what do we explore? Terrifying doctors in horror films. My proposal to you for this topic was, Marshall, let's call this episode The Doctor is In. That's right. Actually, you just gave me the title and uh-huh. then I understood immediately what you meant. That's why we have to do this, even though I got kind of scared to do it once I suggested it. And then I was like, no, 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 we got to plow through. And then just to make sure we were on the same page, uh, we, we did set up uh, restrictions of not so much mad scientists, because that's a whole another several mm-hmm. podcasts, but physicians. Yep. 
uh, medical physicians or surgeons. Yeah. Surgeons. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People that work on the human body. Medical doctors and medical horror as opposed to psychiatric horror too. Doctors is such a wide field that we really had to sort of like narrow it, narrow it, narrow it down to almost a scalpel's edge. Oh, good one. Of what is scariest to us personally, probably because like, I don't know any mad scientists <laughs> like those sort of offshoot scientists that, you know, work with nuclear isotopes. Yep. Or, or these days they'd be working with cloning to create, you know, the next modern terror. We don't really have much FaceTime with those folks. But what we do have FaceTime with in our lives since we were literally born is physicians. Yes. And yep. you rarely see a physician when everything's going well in your life. And when you're a kid and you're already healthy, but you got to see them just cause, then that's the age when they are the terror because they yep. have the needles. They have they needles. Have the poking things. Holy shit. I'm honored, sir. I'm Dr. Nicholas Nicholas Van Helsing, professor of proctology, another related tendency, graduate of the University of Rangoon, and assorted night classes at the Knoxville, Tennessee College of Faith Healing. I just want to take a second to kind of talk about this probably goes without saying, but the reasons why I think most people are scared of the doctor is, like you said, when you're a kid, the doctor has the needles. They have the authority, knowledge, and power to do what they want to do. We trust them. Yeah. Implicitly. Because they're doctors. And we're taught they're, from being a child to trust the doctor. So, they're the smartest guy in the room. And they're the guy with the needles. Exactly. So, it's quite and, a combination. And the idea of someone taking advantage of that, which unfortunately happens plenty in real life. Yeah. But in films, it's kind of like... It always like, makes the news when it does, because it's always, like, as many times as it, as it happens, it's like, can you believe it? Right. A doctor. A doctor. We're supposed to be able to trust these people. They have our very lives in their hands. Literally. I mean, really, you know? It's like, yeah, I mean, if you've got bronchitis, it's not really life-threatening right now. But without treatment, it could be, sure. you know? So, like, they're our protectors. So when one of them goes all nutso, and they have, oh, not only do they have the needles, they have the chloroform and the you know the things to make us pass out and paralyze us and strap us down and do things to us that we don't want to have done it's just so scary i think there's something about them having the knowledge of the human body this vast knowledge that like just your garden variety guy who just wants to capture and maim and torture people doesn't have for some reason like the doctor knowing everything about how to make you hurt more is somehow it's scarier like they're in far more control of it than someone who just wants to come and you know, pull out your fingernails with a and pair of pliers. More often than not, they're smarter than you. That's, That's why right. they're doctors. Uh-huh. Yep. They're smarter than you. Hello, citizens. Welcome to Sacred Heart, home of the world's most giant doctor. Be not afraid. I'm just like you, except I'm giant. I think it scares some people more than others, but I think in the same way that clowns is... In a lot of ways, clowns are kind of a universal scare for most people. Mm-hmm. For a lot of people, I think doctors do that too. That hits, you know, not everybody's scared of, you know, I know people who are scared of zombies, but not scared of aliens. Or, you know, there's a certain thing that like, well, aliens don't scare me. But like a maniacal doctor, like covered in blood with a scalpel, I think that scares most people. Yeah. So Dr. Acula, the doctor and a vampire? He's both. And at the very end, I'm going to put Dr. Acula across the screen. Take that period, get it out of there, squish it together. It'll say 
Dracula. That is an awesome ending. So um, separately, we watched uh, a few movies on our own. What did you watch? A couple different stuff. The first one was Hellraiser 2 because of the doctor character who was a psychiatric doctor, but he also performed brain surgery. So he was a, a medical physician. There you go. But more than anything else, he had puns or like medical expressions. Probably not as many puns as another movie we're going to talk about today. Yeah, I was all happy about all the puns <laughs> I found. Like I wrote all of them down. Which... I can't wait to hear them. Okay, so in Hellraiser 2, there's the doctor character who turns out wants to uh, be a part of the whole Hellraiser world and has for many years and is now using a cast member from the first movie to help get him to that state. Mm -hmm. He then becomes a Cenobite. Oh, the Cenobites. Still scary. And it is only after becoming a Cenobite that he then really ramps up the doctor expressions. I forgot how doctory. It is. Yeah. Well, yeah. Once, once he starts uh, wreaking havoc, there's six, which felt like a lot. I was like, there's like six doctor puns in this. Yeah. And then the other night, Kat and I got together and we watched <laughs> probably the centerpiece of this episode, Dr. Giggles. Which blows the doctor pun effect right out of the water, I guess. It's yeah. absurd. Yeah. It, he speaks. Beyond absurd. 90% of his dialogue is like doctor puns. Yeah. That is a fair statement. Right. 90% must we'll, be. We'll get into him. But um, here's the uh, the best of... Yeah, go for it. Hellraiser 2. Of the Dr. Cenobite. I guess I have to give a voice to these because on their own, they're not that Please. scary. But it's just like, the doctor is in. Yeah. Before he, he starts wreaking some havoc, I recommend amputation. <laughs> this one was on the fence. I'm taking over this operation. Because it has the word operation in it. But I... it also means I'm taking over the world of the Cenobites. I think it counts. Eh, okay. I'll give it. Okay, otherwise I get knocked down to five, which no. five compared to Dr. Giggles is just, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, and how are we feeling today? <laughs> which, in context, is yeah. much scarier. Your case is closed. Ooh. Menacing, because yeah. he's going to murder you with, like, Sh with like sure. tendrils that are coming out of his hands. Yeah. He's like a Doc Ock. Yes. Cenobite doctor mm. thing, right? Don't If I'm remembering correctly, yeah. they're like these terrifying, like he's... He's, well, he's in, got his own tentacles, and there's some something... Almost like a cherry picker that's just sort of controlling him oh, yeah. from the head that you never see where it goes. And yeah. like you don't really want to follow that particular tube. No. Because whatever's at the other end must be just horrifying. <laughs> His last one, I'm afraid it's terminal. Oh. Yeah. Pretty hokey. Yeah. Until you watch Dr. Giggles and then you're like, eh, it's about a two. Hokey except really, really scary. I mean, if you think about encountering any of the Cenobites in the Hellraiser universe, it's pretty scary. But that doctor... Good God. Yeah, he's frightening. Because apparently all of the other Cenobites were just regular folks, if not a little troubled. They didn't seek out the Cenobites. lifestyle, right? Yeah. yeah. It just kind of happened. Sure. Whereas he's like, sign me up. Yeah. He's already a bucket of crazy. Yeah. Ugh. So he's good and crazy and not lacking in the puns. Pen is the one and only friend Leon's ever had. The only one who doesn't care that Leon's different. Only Pin knows Leon's darkest secret. Pin, some friendships die hard. My uh, next stop was 1988's Pin. Okay. Any no. I was scanning your face for reaction. 
back before the podcast, Kat and I used to just get together and I would try to show her movies that she'd never seen, but that she would go like, what? Yeah. To, and I think I was pretty successful most of the time. Oh, yeah. And one that I was fairly certain she'd never heard of, because most people haven't, is Pin, 1988. Oh, but boy. it does exist as almost like a secret handshake among guys of a certain age who grew up with HBO in the house. Oh, boy. To a similar extent, Canada's just off-the-wall wacko movie, The Peanut Butter Solution. All right. Ever heard of that? Nope. You're just throwing a whole bunch at me. I feel like this happens every other podcast or maybe every podcast where I'm like, keep them coming because I don't know what that is. The Peanut Butter Solution is just a wacko kids movie. And guys my age will talk about it like we survived something. <laughs> you went through the war together. But Pin came about around middle school age for me and would get talked about. Not necessarily at the time, but just in later years. It's like, hey, man, you ever, uh, you ever see that movie Pin? And the other yeah. guy's like, oh my God, totally. I thought I was the only one. Yeah, it's like, that was kind of weird, right? Like, you don't want to admit that you ever spent an afternoon watching Pin. Right. And it's not because it's gory or too crazy. It's just very specifically crazy, which I will now get into. Okay. It's about a young man who, his father's a doctor, but he becomes fascinated with his father's life-sized anatomical man doll that he keeps in the office. Oh. And this guy and his little sister, they're raised... In kind of a very sort of strict, very clean, uptight household with plastic on the furniture. And the dad is, he's a little cold, but not unloving, but just not very... Sterile, would you say? Nearly. <laughs> but he does have this sort of whimsical side to him to help put his child patients at ease. Whimsical slash crazy creepy. Oh boy. Which is, he can throw his voice. At some point in his stern lifestyle he managed to pick up the fun party trick of ventriloquism and he will throw his voice over to this anatomical man oh god but it's got that sort of like creepy flat tone uh -huh. and he's like well doctor i think it's going to be a fever i'd wager 102 he's like well pen we want this little boy to get healthy so let's take his temperature and find out so the anatomical doll's name is pin pin yeah okay. and he almost uses it like a less creepy doctor would use a hand puppet or something. Uh-huh. You know, it's like, hey, how about Mr. Sock here? Just And Mr. Sock would be like, hey, how's it going? Yeah. He'd have a funny, non-threatening voice. <laughs> yeah, well, whereas this one is a skinless man. So, like, like, you can see, like, all of his muscles and it's Jesus. supposed to be for teaching. But he's just, nothing he says is bad. Uh-huh. But his very existence is just crazy creepy. Wow. And the doctor uses it to talk to his kids. And he actually uses it to get his kids presents. He gives his daughter like a little ballerina and says, this is from Pin. Oh, God. So he actually uses the doll to like get closer to his children. Huh. And when... I mean, the intention's nice, I guess, but... When it comes time to teach the kids about the birds and the bees, he actually relies on Pin and, oh. and gives them a very sort of clinical definition of sex. Sure. And does it through Pin. The little girl, she catches on that it's all... Fun. Uh -huh. But the boy takes it seriously. And what really cements this in, and this is what would get talked about in the dark corners of middle school, <gasps> which is there's a scene where the boy goes in to talk to Pin and he's like, why won't Pin talk to me? He's like 11. Mm -hmm. Oh, he goes in alone with Pin. When, after his dad has left, he waits for his dad to leave. And then he's like, hey, Pin. And then one of the nurses that works there comes in. So he hides like behind a screen. And then the nurse, when all alone with this anatomically correct life-sized man, has relations. Oh. With it. My 
God. And Wait, how anatomically correct is it? I was imagining some smoothness down there. I guess not. No, no. But he, huh. he like usually keeps something like a cloth across its lap just for, you know. Does she, I'm propriety. sorry, I have to understand logistics. Does she like lay pin down? Actually, it's reverse. It's pin on top. Oh my God. They, I am so, this is so weird. Which only, um, How are cements. you not totally messed up? So, How are you a normal person, Marshall? <laughs> Actually, it's not terribly graphic. But but still, the idea of it's weird. Yeah. You get to see the boy's face and just guess at what he's seeing. And that just like, whatever was a little bit wrong with him, it just cements it. Yeah. And then it's like 10 years later and he's still believes in Penn. Yeah. And when his sister gets pregnant, because she's kind of like the school hoe for a little while. I wonder why she'd be messed up. Oh, wait. (laughs) He takes her to Penn. And then he starts doing the voice without realizing he's doing it. I'm so... This is so weird. Right. I'm... Wow. You and your friends must be totally... There's some part of you... We're all crazy now. We all saw Pin in 1989. No kidding. I mean, I saw some weird stuff too, but this is... I've never heard... Oh my God. Yeah. Wow. And some people die. Sure. it, it, It is a horror movie. At the end of the day, only one person gets killed. There's an attempted murder, and there's there's a car wreck, which the parent, the doctor and his wife are killed, and that leaves the young man and his sister alone, mm-hmm. inheriting the house. And the boy brings Pin home and starts talking to it, oh, and then he starts dressing it up, and then he he like gives it hair and, and like skin, not like people's skin, he like paints it. That's too bad. So, <laughs> doesn't really make it look less creepy, but it does does make it look more like him. Oh. And then an old aunt comes to stay with them, and it starts cramping their style. So he uses Pin to give her a heart attack. And that's really the only death in the movie caused by the young man with the fascination for Pin. Not that he doesn't try um, later. I'm going to take you all the way to the end here. Yeah, please do. Okay. Well, the end, which is teased in the beginning, which is like there's someone who just sits at a window. And they're like, that's not real. It's not a real guy. Uh, little kids like daring each other to go up to the window, like climb the lattice and, and look at the uh, the frozen man. And at the end... It turns, it's the boy, it's Leon. His sister, Ursula, starts coming after him with an axe. And you think, oh no, she she killed Leon. Not a big loss. He was unsavably crazy. Mm-hmm. But it turns out, no, she killed Pin. And then in a very psycho, like barely hiding its psychoness, mm-hmm. psycho capital P, the movie. Yeah. Now he is Pin. <gasps> Leon is no more. Only Pin is left. Oh boy. So the guy, Leon, now just sits in a chair and thinks he's pin and talks like pin and just that sort of flat tone he's like have you heard from leon i miss him very much single tear what a weird movie i kind of love it that's so weird and i seem to stray from our uh doctor theme that's okay i'm all right with with it yeah that's okay i'm glad to have heard this traumatizing experience from your childhood and if i haven't completely sold it to uh to folks now and sorry about that ending giveaway but it had to stand the voice of Pin. Do you watch Breaking Bad? Uh, yeah. There's a character, Mike. Mike yeah. Pin. He's the voice of Pin. Shut up. Yeah, you'd never guess, just based on the voice. But I love Mike because he always plays like like badasses usually. Yeah, and he in is, Breaking Bad. You know, this Walter. Is, he's got this deep voice. He's basically like Hal. The voice is basically yeah. like Hal, just a very oh. calm voice. And the the doctor dad is um, Terry O'Quinn from Lost. Uh, yep. Plays the doctor father. Okay. Yeah. And he's great in this. And you can totally buy him as wow. the sort of like, he cares about his kids, but he just can't show it. 
Sure. And now he he needs to use the anatomical man to get it across. What a weird sounding movie. Yeah, and it's it's one of those where um kind of like Silent Night Deadly Night, rather than just give you something scary and, and let you take it at face value, it's got to take you way back and give you like every building block of this guy's crazy. So when he finally breaks, you're like, "Well, that makes sense." Yeah. Yeah. Because we've been prepping for this for like half an hour now. Yeah, yeah, totally. Universal Pictures presents Dr. Giggles, a twisted tale of medical mayhem. (laughs) Do you want to get into Dr. Giggles? Yeah, let's do it. So I grew up watching Dr. Giggles. Dr. Giggles came out in 1992. It stars Larry Drake who we've talked about on this podcast before because he's the um, crazy lunatic in the Tales from the Crypt episode and all through the house. He was the crazy Santa. He's the crazy Santa. He's also the dad in American Pie 2, the dad of Jim's girlfriend who walks in on them having sex. Which must have been very effective for you because he's got like a line. He's in in it for two seconds, but I'd seen Dr. Giggles so many times. As soon as he walked in, I was like, it's Dr. Giggles. And I was totally taken out of the humor of that scene. But... Dr. Giggles, do you want to, since you've just seen it, do you want to kind of run down the basic plot? Oh, Holly Marie Combs is in it. And, um, and we can see her in... In Charmed. She's oh. she's great. I love Holly Marie Combs. But she plays, you know, a teenager in this film, and she's the lead female. Who else of note? Uh, oh, I, I did a little research. Doug E. Doug was not a rapper turned actor. Oh. Again, the name. Just sounds just, like a rap name. Well, like Doug, Dougie Doug, Fresh yeah, like Doug is Dougie a Fresh. I guess we, we just assumed. Oh, how white was, are we? White enough not to know that Doug E. Doug started as a stand-up comedian and then went into film. Got it. So Doug E. Doug is in the movie. What's it about? Tell us. Tell us about Dr. Giggles for those who haven't seen it. Dr. Giggles is a – he's not a licensed doctor, Mm. but he knows – He sure is confident, though, about what he's doing. He's got a lot of medical knowledge. A good physician always has the right instrument for the job. (laughs) Hmm. I think I found a problem. Well, we meet him during a insane asylum escape, which involves the release of the other inmates. Mm-hmm. The first gross thing we see is he's got a man in a suit on a table, on a table. with like his heart displayed open. Yeah. Ugh. Well, at first you think he's an actual doctor because he's in an operating room. And appears to be instructing people on how to yeah. perform but surgery. And then you're like, why is that guy in a suit? Turns out the gallery... <laughs> Was full of madmen who were like licking the glass and yeah. Ugh. So he escapes from his mental institution, goes back to the town he came from, where his father was a doctor, and that's where he got all of his medical knowledge, or at least the, the basis. We discuss this a little bit because, as far as you were concerned, his medical knowledge probably ended sometime in the fifties mm-hmm. when he was a little boy. I say he got his hands on a lot of medical journals. He had to have. Because he's pretty much been raised in mental hospitals. Right. Right. But he had to have because a lot of the stuff that he uses and talks about and the kind of the way, just the way he behaves, he he clearly, he has some knowledge beyond being seven and being around his dad. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Most definitely. I think you're right. He's got a few missing years in his story there anyways. But why does he return to the town? Returns to the town because the town, townsfolk as a mob killed his father after his father a doctor went crazy and started stealing people's hearts because like his seven wife people. died of heart disease. Yeah. At the time, heart transplants weren't a real thing, but this doctor dad was like, well, time to be the first. He never actually managed to do it though, but he did uh, manage to get himself killed. 
killed a bunch of people, and then the town, Freddy Krueger style, mobbed him. Yeah. Somebody said they stoned him to death, and no one refuted that. So right. I guess they stoned guess him to they death. I guess they stoned him to death. Yeah. yeah. But the house is still there. The house with the office, all, like in the basement. The office remarkably really kind of... Really big. Yeah. Probably too big if you were to look at the size of the house and the size of this supposed doctor's office in the right. basement. So Dr. Giggles, and his name is Rendell, is the last name? Like Evan. Evan Rendell. Yeah. He... A.K.A. Dr. Giggles, which is only said once in the very beginning. I think in a line that was just looped anyways. Yep. Where they're like, we call him Dr. Giggles because no one knows his real name. And, and he giggles a lot. And he thinks he's a doctor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So there you go. Exactly. And I do find it interesting that while Dr. Giggles, played by Larry Drake, Mm -hmm. his murders, the murders he commits, seem to be motivated kind of by revenge for killing his dad. The initial murders of the story. He plans on killing the entire town. Right. He gets about four people into it and then redirects himself. Right. But the initial horror of the town where the father was killing people wasn't based on revenge. It was based on... Like sorrow and trying to find a heart for his wife. Yeah. Which is interesting, I think. That's all. You know, like people burned Freddy to death because he killed a bunch of kids. Yeah. And then he comes back in revenge. But like this guy wasn't malicious in his intent, at least. Kind of. You know, he just. The original original doctor. doctor. Yeah. He just wanted hearts because of his wife. Yeah. You know? Decided to go Uh, out and find a few hearts. He's just super crazy. Oh, and the doctor dad giggled. Yeah. And then the son son gets it from. Yeah. You know what? It's just a cool title. Mm-hmm. So Holly Marie Combs is the teenager in town who, uh-oh, has a heart problem. She's dealing with that. Deals with it by not dealing with it. Doesn't tell her boyfriend. She, she, she's afraid. I don't even know of what. But she like keeps it secret for a while. Yeah. For no real reason. Because everyone knows. like People think it's so uncool to have heart problems. Hey, you L7 square. <laughs> Why don't you go home with your... What, what's her condition called? Oh, mitral valve prolapse. <laughs> Come on. And you mentioned... Wiener. Oh, so wiener. You mentioned oh so gleefully that, like, his intention is to kill the entire town, but somehow he manages to begin with our central characters. Yeah. Yeah, he does. <laughs> it's like, I'm, I'm going to kill this town, starting with, like, the four teenage friends. To be fair, they're the ones who sneak into his house. At first, yeah. At first, so... Yeah, so he, so he takes care of two of them. And so he kills a bunch of people in the movie through various horrifying The body count's memes. pretty high. Yeah, it is. And, and very after, creatively done. At about done. the three-quarter point, a little perfunctory. Because <laughs> you just see somebody and you're like, well, he's been standing still in this shot for three seconds longer than he should. I bet he'll get stabbed from behind. Oh, there they go. Uh-huh. And probably an excuse to get out some more medical puns, which you mentioned, because oh they happen before I he kills them down. each person. And Marshall says to me, I would uh, I would write down all these medical puns, but my hand would start cramping, which couldn't be more accurate. Yeah. I wrote down a couple of them. You would write down the entire movie. But he kills people through, through, medical, through means. medical means. And but always says something He usually gets in a line before and after. Yeah. Which is how you like, you know, a few of them were laughter is the best medicine. Sure. Uh checkout time, an apple a day. It's a good thing I make house calls, which you you yeah. called that one. You were like, like a few minutes before. Well, as soon as you got that doctor bag, I'm uh-huh. like, there's going to be a pun about house calls. You called it like Babe Ruth, just pointing out there, <laughs> just pointing out there for that home run. And not five minutes later, it happened. Um, open wide and say, ah. And then, as you said, like on that one, open wide and say, ah. I think this was a different one, but he goes to take a girl's temperature with a thermometer that he has a sharpened end like, that sharpened he shoves it. into her tongue. Now, I wrote down. 
better than the alternative because your first thought was but anal thermometer. <laughs> That's not pleasant even in real circumstances. Yeah. So that character is killed fairly quickly, but you're like, could have been worse. Yeah. Could have been worse. Like, my favorite. Look, yeah. can I just say my favorite moment in the movie this Please. time around? Because I think well, as now, a kid. Okay. Now you said that you had it on VHS or you taped it off the of TV. I don't think so. I, you just rented I think it over I and over? I think I just rented it over and over again. I've seen it a lot of what, times. What kept bringing you back? You know, it was probably my brother and I, like just between the two of us. We, I think we just thought it was a really killer horror movie. Probably because of the just the sheer number of deaths and like how brutal it is. I don't know why. I was a sick kid apparently because I don't love this stuff now. Like the really gross stuff, I don't love. Well, this movie, I hadn't seen it ever until like two nights ago when mm-hmm. I watched it with Kat for the first time. Thinking it over, I think it came at a time, personally, when I decided I wasn't just into movies, I was into films. Right. So around 92, <laughs> I started getting You would have discarded a film like... Films. Well, I was watching Cape Fear, which was a film by Mr. Martin Scorsese, and I was watching um, Silence of the Lambs over and over and Goodfellas. Dr. And, Dr. Know, Giggles doesn't quite fit in with that. Do- Dr. Giggles... <laughs> At, at that time, I tend to lop it in with like the people under the stairs and Shocker. Sure. Just as like movies. People under the stairs is good though. Oh no. Well, I haven't seen Shocker and people under the stairs is good. Yeah. But at the time I was kind of dismissive of them. And I think in general, I wrote down like the big three being Michael Myers, Freddie and Jason. They were kind of waning mm-hmm. at that point, like 92. Yeah. They were still making movies, but like none of them were as good as they used to be. Right. And Scream was five years away to yeah. send popular horror in another direction. Mm-hmm. So there was kind of an ebb. There in, sure was. In the middle there. And Dr. Giggles. Unfortunately, I grew up on a lot of that ebb. I really did. <laughs> well, My... Dr. Giggles, if you were to chart the ebb, Dr. Giggles would be like right in the, the nadir. Yes, most definitely. But I will say this time around, a joke that I probably didn't get when I was a kid that I loved was that there's a little boy playing. He Dr. Giggles goes into a house to kill these two teenagers who are having sex, blah, blah, blah. Which, um, uh, you know what? It's, it's got nothing to do with the doctors, but like the boy oh God. steals his mom's lingerie and makes his girlfriend put it on. It's just too disturbing. I know. And, and she's the one that's killed with a thermometer. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, just put an end to this whole exchange. He tells her she's going to catch her death of cold in an outfit like that. But anyway, to, in order to get to these teenagers and then back out of the house, he passes the younger brother playing Dr. Mario on the TV, which is so much fun. I used to spend hours playing that game on Nintendo. But as he's leaving the house, Dr. Giggle stops behind this kid who's probably like nine years old. Mm-hmm. And he's just mindlessly staring at the screen, just playing. He's been playing this video game for hours. And he looks down at the kid. And you're like, oh, he's going to kill the kid. And then he just says, terminal. Because the kid is just gape-mouthed playing the game, unaware of anything right. around him. Right. Which was such a fun joke. It's like, not only does it let the little kid live, but it's because video games have already claimed him. Right. He's going to die anyway. Yeah. So funny. The only other thing I want to say, and I know there are just volumes to speak about this movie, oh, yeah. um, but I will say this, Larry Drake, yes. and people love to joke about this movie. I love him in this movie. By the way, I think he's... people love to joke about this movie. Yeah. You'd have to find someone who like watched it first. I think you'd be surprised at the, it's kind of like my pin, you know, I bet I you'd find say, some people like who... It's like who... the secret handshake among your yes, age. I think so. Maybe. If anybody's wondering, uh, Kat's nine years younger than me. Yeah. So we can still hang out. But there is a gap, especially in pop culture. That's why we have things to share with each other. Yeah. But I think 
you just hear the title and you go, well, what a dumb movie that must be. And it is. But Larry Drake, I think he's really good. Oh, I yeah. think he brings a gravity to this movie that like... anybody else? What's that? Can you imagine anybody else's Absolutely Dr. Giggles? Absolutely not. I mean, his giggle is amazing. Sir he's Anthony Hopkins. Donald Pleasance, maybe. <laughs> no. But it's like he has to deliver all these puns and he does 150% of what he could do with them. He yeah. takes them so much farther than anyone else could. And it's a caricature. But at the same time, I believe Larry Drake like busted his tail doing character work for that role. Yeah. You bet your well, bottom you want. dollar you want, he put the work in. You want an actor to take on Dr. Giggles and then be the best Dr. Giggles he can be. That's right. Um, and for him to have only puns, he feels like a real person. Like yeah. he's got a purpose. There, He's doing this for a reason. A it's not personal. He's just going to do it. You know, I love it. I just love him in oh, this is, movie. I think it is personal. Yeah, I guess so. He wants to kill the town sick, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, you know, yeah. he's just and great. Then, well, because I love his him. mom had a heart condition, he realizes that this one girl has a heart condition. Yeah. And now he sets out to cure her by getting her some hearts, which he then gets a bucket of hearts. And he's going like, too small. And he's, he pulls out another heart. Too big. Yep. And then later, in probably one of, one of my favorite moments of the movie slash puns. Oh, the, I know what you're going to Cop say, comes in <laughs> and he just says, have a heart. And throws a heart at him. To which the cop reacts like, I know it's gross, but it can't hurt you. Right. All it would have done is just kind of bounced off of him. Yeah. But instead, he acts as if a live raccoon had been thrown on him. He's just like, ah, ah, ah. He is. But at the same time, I think if, if someone threw a human heart at you, you might react the same way. Yeah. No, that, that's true. But there's a really well, gruesome... if I was just walking down the street and someone th threw a human heart on me, yeah, definitely. I'd right. Like but that. you got to expect it from a crazy doctor, probably. Also, the cop had a gun. Yeah. Cop's got a gun. The other guy's got a heart. This other guy's got something icky. Yeah. And, and guess who won in that scenario? Yeah. The guy with the heart. What do you think about that waiting room full of heartless bodies that he propped up? Effective and certain horror gets more effective in good lighting. Yeah. It was such blue, like, it was, fluorescent. Was like, like fluorescent. It was like waiting room lighting. Yes. And it was just like, oh, it was just, there they are. That was pretty gruesome. Calling Dr. Howard. Dr. Fine. Dr. Howard. Calling Dr. Howard. Dr. Fine. Dr. Howard. <laughs> I want to talk about two missteps okay. for this movie. Uh, one was visual and the other was audio, and you know both of them. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Visual first, which is... Oh, God. <laughs> the, once you're down in his sort of like basement medical area, a door gets opened, and I'm still not sure if it was supposed to be a mural. No, it's not no? supposed to be a mural. There's no way. Okay. It was supposed to look like a long hallway. It was supposed to... We're uh, supposed to be fooled into believing. Yeah, it's supposed to be a long, long hallway. It looked like it was done with chalk. Yep. It looked like uh, someone drew with chalk a long hallway. And we're supposed to believe. And we're supposed that to believe that, like, hallway. oh, there's a long hallway down there. We had to rewind it and yeah. watch it again. We watch it twice more. So flabbergasted by it. Oh yeah, my God. and the cops like, oh, can't go that way. No, you can't because it's a wall. Right. It's a. We wall. can all see it's a wall, fella. That someone has drawn on. And someone, I can just imagine someone on set, him being like, man, so this is going to look like, and they're like, yeah, it will. Oh, yeah. Nope. Movie magic. Nope. Oh, my God. That's terrible. What do you know? Haven't you heard of suspension of disbelief? The other, the audio portion, which is there's a voice on an answering machine. Oh, that's God. supposed to be the chief of police, <laughs> which they play 
twice. Yeah. Once when it's being left and, and like moments later someone comes home and checks his messages. Yeah. So we hear it a second time. And I guess they didn't get like the the actor to be like, oh, we, we need this here, but we don't have our actor anymore. But it sounds like a teenager pretending to be pretending the chief of police. Hello, this is the chief of police. <laughs> we have your daughter. And like, I'm watching it for the first time. I'm like, is that like one of like, is that like oh, her boyfriend calling? God. And you're like, no, that's supposed to be the, like, the chief of police. Like, please come down to the police station and, you know, come and get your daughter. Not in any trouble. Just come get your daughter. Yeah. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Crazy bad. And I think it was just like somebody in the like ADR booth realized they needed something and they were like, oh, I'll do it. I'll do it. Don't worry. No Come problem. On. Nobody will know the difference. You don't sound like a chief of police. Sure I do. Sure I do. Hello, I'm the chief of police. Like, <laughs> oh, gold. That's great. Filmmaking is not about the tiny details. It's about the big picture. The other thing about that scene that I have to mention is that. Well, the, the payoff to it is, you know. You hear the message being left, then... So Dr. Giggles now knows where the daughter is, who he's looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So he can give her a new heart. Then the dad comes in and listens to it again, but now there's two messages instead of one. So the second message plays, and he's like, hi, this is... What does he say? Uh, this your is new doctor. Dr. Rendell. I'm your new doctor, and I'm standing right behind you. And, and he was, sure he, And then he's standing right behind him, and he stabs him or whatever. But... You know, Marshall and I couldn't help ourselves from immediately imagining, like, wait, so that means, and you posited, I, I worked it out. Well, that the he must have gone into the dad's study. Home, he had a home office, uh, I assume. So he had a second line. Had to figure out the phone number of the first one. Uh huh. But that's that's not impossible. And then but just seems superfluous for a crazy lunatic. Who's, that, yeah, yeah I'm supposing that he didn't just go to the next house or a payphone <laughs> to set this up. <laughs> that's so much effort to put in. Or, um, I mean, it was 92. There could have been a giant clunky cell phone sitting on the counter. Yeah. Charging. Sure. And however they charge those things. Like car batteries? I don't, I don't know, even I know. know. I never thought about it. <laughs> but I just want to see the scene of Dr. Giggles, like, calling from the next room or a payphone being like, you know, it, it's a very well-planned message. So it's like he had to think about and, you know, like, think about what he wanted to say. Because he couldn't three. leave an accident message and then a third message. And he had to get it right the first time, sure. you know? And the next phase of his plan was then to wait in the dark by the answering machine. Right. And, Until the guy comes home. You know, not everyone checks their messages right away. Right. Well, he was looking for his daughter. So, yeah, I guess he would have. Sure. But um, it's like. But he didn't come in immediately. I mean, he did one or two things right before he goes to the answering yeah, machine. Yeah, what if the guy just kind of went off to the bathroom or something? Right. And then Dr. Giggles is like. It's like checking his watch. Stick to your plan. Stick to your plan. <laughs> it's going to pay off. It's, it's going to pay off. It. Unfortunately, the only person who knows that it paid off. He's planning to kill, yeah. Yeah, so then it's just like, well, that's a personal victory. Yeah. If you think that's bad, wait till you get my bill. I want to mention one quick thing, not because it's a great movie, but just because I sat through the whole damn thing, damn it. And we're going to talk about it. Okay. Uh, which is a movie from, a great setup. from 2010 called Victim. I was looking through all the horror movies on Netflix, and anything that wasn't immediately apparent from the title or the poster that it wasn't a doctor movie. I was looking up to see what it was about. And Netflix doesn't have a, like a keyword search. No. You can't just type in doctors someday. Right. I'm sure. But like for right now, it's like just a title search only. Yeah. So after some time, I found this movie called Victim and the, the cover of which is a girl holding a man's head, like a severed head. And you were like, well, this must have a doctor somewhere Maybe. in it. Who, who got the head off? So anyway, long, unnecessary movie short. It's about a young man who is young man. He's probably 30. He's a cop. He's abducted 
the movie opens with a young woman actually being raped and murdered in a hotel room uh, after an audition. Like she's in Hollywood. She's there for an audition. I'm doing air quotes. Uh, and, was it on a Sunday? Because whenever I hear someone, some girl has an audition on a Sunday, I'm like, that just sounds sketchy. I've been to several legitimate auditions on the weekends, but sometimes, yeah, it's not so if, good. If it's ever at a guy's apartment on a Sunday, just like... Yeah, no thanks. But you know what? Indies, these guys have nine to five jobs. That's right. And that's when they can do it. Mm-hmm. But they all sound rapey. Don't they? So anyway, she gets raped and murdered. We don't know any context about that. But then this man gets abducted to this home and he's in a basement. He wakes up in this jail cell and there's this tape playing that's like, to be a lady, one must have wonderful posture. And it's, it's very quiet, but it sounds like this like cotillion like preparation. Okay. Yeah, like a manners instructional. Right. Okay, so... I'm intrigued, this... but going on your tone of voice is I mean, just going to drop off. good idea. Not great execution. Terrible execution, actually. But so he wakes up, there's a strong man henchman who never talks, and a doctor who... The crux of it is the girl who died in the beginning is the doctor's daughter. Mm. She was living in Hollywood and was murdered. So he has abducted this man, and he's going to turn the man into his daughter. So he feeds him hormones, and he cuts off his penis, and he gives him breasts... Et cetera, et cetera. American movie, um, one assumes? Yeah. All and right. um, so... So we can compete in crazy. Yeah, we can. It's not just the other countries. And the guy who plays the doctor was pretty good. You know, he was he was pretty creepy. I appreciated it. It's just, movie wasn't very well made. There's a twist at the end, <laughs> spoiler alert, where it turns out you learn, oh, the doctor has recreated the hotel room where his daughter was raped and murdered in his home because uh-huh. I guess there was it was videotaped somehow. Is the twist that the guy he kidnapped was the murderer rapist. Yep, indeed it was. So Correct that case. So then the henchman comes in to like they put the man who is now the daughter in the room and he goes to recreate the scene. Right, uh, so it's kind of, it's kind of messed up. But he but the Thanks, doctor Netflix. the doctor makes the man now daughter like come sit at dinner with them and he talks to him as he's his daughter and so yeah kind of messed up. Kind of an interesting, I suppose, kind of interesting idea, okay. but just horribly executed. We'll tell you what, folks. If you got Netflix, make them. Yeah. Check her out. Or not. Or don't. I just told you all about it. It's fine. Well, just so we can uh, end on something a little more up. Yeah. Doctors in horror movies aren't always the bad guys. So I went about compiling a, a list of, uh, of good doctors. Oh, aren't you sweet. And usually they don't have to be doctors in these movies. But doctors in horror movies, they're pretty intelligent. So when something's going wrong, they're usually kind of on the front lines of it because something will happen and the doctor will they be called assist. in. And yeah. they can start making connections a little earlier. Uh-huh. One of my favorite of these is in Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, yeah. Kevin McCarthy plays a small town movie. doctor who, when things start going a little hinky, people start bringing these problems to the doctor, mm-hmm. which is like, my son doesn't. Think his mother's his mother, Doc. What do I do? Yeah. And he's like, sounds like mass hysteria. Or is it? Mm-hmm. His doctor skills only really come in in just that he's good at figuring stuff out. And then later he can get uppers because you can't yeah. fall asleep. Right. So he goes into his office and like scores some uppers. Right. To keep him awake for like another day. You're next! You're next! You're next! You're next! You're next! The doctor in... Uh, well, Pet Cemetery. Dr. Lewis Creed. Yeah. Sure. Good point. And the doctor in American Werewolf in London, mm-hmm. who has some great scenes, and he's re- he's, he's on the case. He should have had his own like spinoff TV show mm-hmm. where a doctor solves Northern England crimes. 
because he, he goes up there to like the pub and he starts like checking things out and you're just like like you're just watching a smart man at work and he's not a private investigator but he's just a smart man who's taken an interest yeah, yeah. he's taken an interest and although it, by the end of the movie it turns out nothing he did really leads to anything yeah but all the time he's on screen he's just like fascinating to watch Oh, Count Dracula, allow me to introduce Professor Abraham Van Helsing of London University. He is a doctor of rare diseases as well as theology and philosophy. And gynecology. Oh, I didn't know you had your hand in that, too. And then Dr. Van Helsing. All right. Who, depends what version you watch, he has doctorates in different things, but in the book, I believe, he's a doctor of rare diseases and blood problems, right? Yeah. And just all around kind of smart fellow. Peter Cushing as the doctor locked in mortal combat with overwhelming evil. For the Hammer Horror films, Peter Cushing played Van Helsing five times. Wow. The last time that he played Dr. Van Helsing was in a Hammer Horror Shaw Brothers production. Uh, the Shaw Brothers made kung fu films mm -hmm. called The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, 1974. Oh. Wow. And it is a straight-up kung fu movie where they battle kung fu vampires. The vampires do kung fu? Now that you mention it, probably not, not okay. so much. But they've got vampire powers. Sure. And they go up against kung fu. The seven brothers and one sister against the seven golden vampires. Wow. Gong. With Peter Cushing. And I was cynical. I was like, ah, he's probably just in a flashback. It's probably no more than a cameo. It's, he probably just phones it in. Probably just got a free trip to China out of yeah. it. No, he is in it. He is present. He's in nearly all of the movie. And he is not phoning it in. He's as much Van Helsing as he is in like Brides of Dracula. But now he's in the Orient. Wow. And you've got, you know, this Kung Fu movie going on all around him. And he's there with like a torch, you know, swinging it at vampires also. And uh, Peter Cushing by this point. Not a young man. Yeah. Really shouldn't have been dealing with the nonsense that goes on with a with a kung fu movie. But he was right there like with it. Like a pro. It. I don't know what his paycheck was, but he was out to earn it. Right. So That's fun. And you can watch it on YouTube, folks. One of the nice surprises to having a horror movie podcast and you start researching movies and looking a little deeper than you normally would during just a trip to the video store or yeah. a, a scroll through Netflix. It's really great when you can unearth something as awesome as The Legend of... The Seven Golden Vampires. Wow. So there you go. Genius. Pumps your blood. The right atriums where the process begins, where the CO2 blood enters the heart. Through the tricuspid valve, to the right ventricle, the pulmonary artery and lungs. Once inside the lungs, it dumps its carbon dioxide and picks up its oxygen supply. Then it's back to the heart, through the pulmonary vein, through the atrium and left ventricle. All right, Kat. Good podcast. Yeah. I think so. I think I've gotten out all of the... You have to, we've talked it out, so hopefully I won't have Dr. Nightmares. I'm a little surprised you didn't uh, come in with like the definition of a fear of doctors. Usually, uh, yeah, I figured I'd switch it up, not be predictable. You know, Webster's Dictionary defines. You know, I didn't, I didn't want to do that again. Yeah, maybe next time we cover something that lends itself to that, if, you can if, go look it up on your own, folks. Okay, I would have looked it up, except I was like, yeah, Kat's got that one. Yeah. She always finds the phobias. I know, I do always, me to it. and I realize well, that not anymore, so not this time. So. 
Um, anything to plug? I do have something to plug. I know we try to keep this podcast, you know, non-dated so you can just listen to them anytime. Mm-hmm. But it turns out I have something current to talk about, which is I'm in a play right now. That's going to be at Zombie Joe's Underground Theater in North Hollywood. If you're in the the L.A. area, If you're in the L.A. area, you can come see me on stage beginning August 16th through, I think, September 7th, Fridays and Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. The show is called Captain Dan Dixon versus the Moth Sluts from the Fifth Dimension. Uh, Imagine an episode of the old Star Trek. It's like 50s, 60s sci-fi. It's a crew of men on the spaceship Magellan, and they're going to uncharted territory. It's not a musical. Oh, that surprises me. Yeah, it's not a musical. It's a quick show, probably an hour long, no intermission. So it's like watching an episode of a television show. These men happen upon, they go through the fifth dimension to make it to another part of the galaxy. It's kind of like a wormhole. And in so doing, accidentally take on to their ship these moth aliens, these women who are very sexy. And of course, they realize way too late that they're also very dangerous. And so people die. And and um, you've been painted green for this. You know, we use green body paint. And um, it's a really racy, fun show. And it's much less a send up or a parody of these shows as it is an homage. And it's very much a tribute it's really written the way the show would be written it's not at all making fun of it not at all it's Mm -hmm. funny and the acting style for a lot of us is kind of heightened for what we are used to saying on seeing on television today it's very shatnerian if you will and to us the acting on some of those older sci-fi the movies and the shows it looks overblown now you know the big pauses and they say things very intensely things are a lot more realistic now but in order to really portray that moment in time you kind of have to go there sure but it's lo- done very lovingly anyway zombie joe's underground theater you can find the event page for the captain dan dixon show i'll post it on boys and ghouls our facebook this, page. on our facebook page once this episode comes out so if you're listening to it and you want to see you know you can go there and check it out and if you're in the la area by all means come see me it's a fun fun show good luck recognizing me i'll be covered in green paint what's your character's name empress sifla we are from the planet volvula five just to give you an idea, folks. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 tongue in cheek. All right. Well, if you're not able to make it out to uh, L.A. for some quality theater, you can always just check us out at our Boys and Ghouls podcast page, boysandghouls.podbean.com. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Tumblr. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Pinterest. Follow us on Instagram. On Instagram. We're everywhere. Are there any pictures of you up on Instagram in the green paint? Uh-huh. Yep, there's a picture of, of me in the green paint as Empress Sifla on our Instagram page. So if you haven't gone, it's We Are Boys and Ghouls podcast on Instagram. One word. So check that out, everybody. And thanks for tuning in. We're glad to make this episode and glad you came to listen. And we hope you feel better. Take take two more podcast episodes. You know, listen to two more and call us in the morning. Yuck, eh? yuck. Ah, yuck, yuck, yuck. All right. <laughs> and Cat, uh, as always... Beware the moon. Beware the cat.